This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I'm Dr. D.Z. Cofield, senior pastor here at the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church of Houston, Texas, and I want to welcome you to our corporate worship experience. Now listen, we don't take it for granted that you are with us on today. We want to thank you for giving us an opportunity to inform your head, inspire your heart, and encourage your spirit to be all that God wants you to be. You have not tuned in to make us a big church. We are here to help you become a big Christian, to become the best that you can possibly be. And we thank you for this privilege. Now listen, if you're streaming, make sure you like or share us. Let somebody know there's never been a better time for hope. Our word today comes out of Psalm 34, beginning at verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. The poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we bless your name and we thank you for this privilege, this honor in time to come and to give you the glory and to give you the honor in such an intentional way we pray now god that our worship will be acceptable in your sight forgive us of all of our sins lord the sins that we have committed overtly covertly and inadvertently god forgive us so that our worship might be pleasing to you we give you the glory and we give you the honor it's in Jesus' name we pray. Let all of God's people say amen. Wherever you are, give the Lord a hand of praise. Wave your hands. Do whatever you do to let somebody around you know there's a child of God in this place. Come on, let's join our praise and worship ministry as they minister in song today. Well, come on and put your hands together and give God some glory. Hallelujah. How many of you love the Lord today? We bless your name, God. Yeah. Oh. Put your hands together. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we bless your name, God. Do you know how much power we have? Power to conquer the enemy. There is nothing that can hold us back. Giving us authority over sickness, over your mind, over strongholds. God will do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think.
in your car looking on your phone somebody just shout Jesus hallelujah asking questions like I've never asked before expecting answers that will unlock Every door to a new and living way serve you better in the future. That's the reason I'm here today. Mm-hmm. Seeking God. In a very solemn way Taking heed To the things I do and say Offering Myself to Him I'm coming as a brother Coming as a friend Now I see That it's you I need And with your help I deny myself Put my hand in yours And with your help, I'll deny myself. I'll put my hand in yours. Asking questions like I've never asked before. Now I'll be expecting answers. That will unlock every door, every door To a new, a new and perfect way I just want to serve you better in the future And that's the reason I'm here today Yes, seeking God 
in a very, very, very solemn way. I'll be taking heed to the things that I do and the things that I say. I'm offering, I'm offering myself to Him. I'm coming as a brother. I'm coming as a friend oh. Right now I see That it's you I need And with your help I'll deny myself Put my hand in yours Somebody lift their voice and say oh That I can't live without you God, I need your help I will deny myself Put my hand in yours Yeah, somebody wave your hand if you need it And say, oh I can see clearly now you I need And with your help I'll deny myself That it's you I need, Lord, and with your help, I'll deny myself and put my hand in yours. This is Memorial Day weekend, and for somebody, this is an especially difficult time because this will be the first. Memorial Day that you will be without family member, friend, a loved one. We think about some 95,000 people and counting who have passed away as a result of COVID-19. But we've had thousands die this year of other causes beyond COVID-19. We think about those who have laid down their lives in order for us to live the life that we live. And I want to take this moment just to pause and uh, just reflect on this old song, Precious Memories, how they linger, how they ever flood my soul. Sing, Elder. 
Father, bless our time in your word today. Let everything that we do and say be pleasing in your sight. May you be glorified. May your people be edified. And may the devil be horrified and terrified by what you will say today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So there was a church some time ago. They were building a new building. And you know a building is big when the rendering is big, when the uh, 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 model is big, when the, when the painting, the drawing is big. I mean, this, this was going to be a monstrosity of a sanctuary. And as this church was raising funds to build this monster building, uh, prices were going up in building material and in particular in concrete. And so... The church leaders made a decision. They had raised a certain amount of money, and they knew that the cost of the building was going up as the price of concrete was going up, and in particular, the item that they knew they were going to use a lot of concrete in building was the foundation. 
And so they decided that they would go ahead and build the foundation for the building, continue raising funds in the congregation, and then proceed with the building later on. I mean, after all, if you laid this foundation, people would be inspired, people would be encouraged, right? They would begin to give as never before because they would see something in action. And so they move forward with building this building by first laying this foundation. And I've got to tell you, the foundation was impressive. It's like, oh my God. I mean, when you looked at that foundation, when you walked that foundation, when you drove down the road and looked over at that foundation, you said to yourself, that is going to be some kind of building just based on the foundation. But something happened. As they got ready to build the building, they brought the engineers out and they began to examine the foundation and how they were going to build the building on this foundation and they got some startling news. The news that they got was that the foundation was poured the wrong way. After checking and double-checking, calling in engineers from all over, everybody came to the same conclusion. They could not use this foundation. It was impressive to the eye, but the foundation would not have been able to withstand the load that would be put on it by this monstrosity of a structure. And so they literally had to tear up that foundation and start all over. My brothers and sisters, you might wonder, what does that have to do with me today? Well, I submit to you that there are many of us who are building a glorious foundation. It is impressive. It looks good. The foundation of your life looks amazing. But the truth of the matter is, in the midst of building this great foundation, you cannot build the spiritual structure that God wants you to build for your life. And for somebody you may be at the place where you're just realizing that that foundation has to be torn down. You've been building on the foundation of your career. You've been building on the foundation of your savings. You've been building on the foundation of interpersonal relationships. And oh my God, none of those things have been able to withstand the pressure that you are under right now. So what kind of foundation will you build on? We're starting a series entitled The Joy Campaign. The Joy Campaign. And in this campaign, we're going to teach you how to live a joy-filled life in a troubled-filled world. We're in the book of Philippians, and we're in part two of this foundational message. And that's literally what I want to talk to you about. I want to tag this message, the foundation for joy-filled living. The foundation for a joy-filled life. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 1. Now, the book of Philippians is literally a, 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 a compilation of Paul's greatest spiritual hits. 
I mean, some of the most powerful passages that we have ever read in Scripture, some of the most powerful passages that you have ever memorized are in the book of Philippians. And this foundational message that I want to share with you is really a foundation that I want to encourage you to build your entire life on. Philippians chapter 1 verses 1 and 2, and today we're going to get to the B part of verse 1, the foundation for a joy-filled life. Now, let me just give you quickly a little background to the book of Philippians. It was written in some time between 60 A.D. and 63 A.D., and it was written to encourage the saints, especially those who supported Paul throughout his ministry. It was written to encourage them to be the best that they could be, to do what God had called them to do and to encourage them to keep doing what God had called them to do and to know that God would reward them for their efforts. It was written to the church of Philippi, and and God sends this letter to them in the midst of Paul's uh, imprisonment. As a matter of fact, it's one of four epistles that are identified as Paul's prison epistles. And Paul writes it, and and the theme of this epistle is joy. As a matter of fact, 16 times in four chapters, we see the word joy, rejoice, a derivative thereof, letting us know that Paul was concerned about and wanted to encourage them to understand what it meant to have the joy of the Lord in their life. Now, last week, we shared with you the idea that you must define whose you are, define your life by whose you are, not by what you have. Define your life by whose you are, not by what you have. It's amazing when you look at how Paul introduces himself. He says in verse 1, this letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I am writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the elders and deacons. Paul does not use uh, fancy titles. He doesn't use his ecclesiastical designation. He doesn't call himself a bishop. He doesn't call himself an apostle. Paul says, along with Timothy, I am a slave, doulos, bondservant, that I live at the will of my master. He's not trying to impress the Philippian church. They know him. They love him. He's not trying to impress them with his titles. He simply wants them to know that he understands whose he is. And my brothers and sisters, let me tell you something about joy. Who you are will keep you when what you have is gone. There are many people right now who are struggling in the midst of this pandemic. Thank you, Lord. There are many people who are struggling right now because they have been defining themselves by what they have and who they know. And there's somebody you're listening right now, and you thought your career was recession-proof. You thought your job would hold on and would keep you, but you've been furloughed, you've been let go, and God wants you to know that you cannot find joy in a home you cannot keep. You cannot find joy in a job that somebody gave you and somebody can take away from you. Your joy has to be founded in who you are in Jesus Christ. Paul says, I am a slave, I am a bondservant, but my joy is secure even in being a slave because I serve at the will of my master. 
And you know one of the great things about understanding whose you are and who you are in relationship to God? Let me just share this with you. One of the problems in life is that many times we try to be owners when we're really intended to be stewards. And when you are an owner, you worry about things that you don't worry about when you recognize that you are a servant. Um, there's a documentary, and I think it's titled Six Feet from Glory, and, and it chronicles uh, backup singers and some of the greatest backup singers of all time. Uh, you may not know this, Luther Vandross started off singing background for other singers. And, and one of the great background singers of all times is a sister by the name of Lisa Fisher, tremendous background singer. She sang so well, I mean, she's, she's been the, the, the vocalist, female vocalist for the Rolling Stones for years. But, I mean, she sings all kinds of music. I've had an opportunity to see her sing in person. Absolutely tremendous talent. And they talked to her from the background and said, Lisa, you have the talent to be up front. And so she went up front and received a Grammy for her efforts. Oh, my God. I mean, absolutely tremendous song, popular, radio play, critically acclaimed, everything. Great about the song. But you know what? She made a decision. She made a decision to go back to background singing. And they asked her in this documentary, why did you go back to background singing? You have upfront talent. And she said, yeah, but I don't want the pressure of being upfront. She said because what she realized was once she moved up front, people wanted to take a picture. She couldn't go out in peace. She had no privacy. And then in terms of her business, she had to now take responsibility for feeding the 30 people that were in her entourage. If she didn't sing, if she didn't work, they didn't eat. She said, I like my privacy. She said, I like living my life. Now I get up, I don't have to put on any makeup. I can go out to the store, get my stuff, come back home, and I have peace in my life. And my brothers and sisters, some of us have been working hard to be the owner. And God says, no, I don't want you to be the owner because you take pressure on you. That's above your pay grade. I want you to learn how to be a steward and let me bear the pressure of being the owner. You can't have joy when you're a slave to what you have. You can't have joy when you're a slave to keeping what you have. You cannot have joy when you are a slave to holding a certain title or position. At the end of the day, your joy is rooted and grounded in your relationship with the Lord. Thank you, Lord. But here's the message for tonight. Part two of this message, how to live a joy-filled life in a trouble-filled world, the foundation of a joy-filled life. Here it is. You need to realize you are secure in God's holy family. You need to realize you are secure in God's holy family. Where do I get my joy from? Where do I get it from? What's the foundation of my joy? Listen to what Paul says. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Jesus Christ. I am writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus. The Bible says we are God's holy people. One translation translates that phrase, saints. 
And when the Bible calls us saints, listen to me carefully, the Bible never uses the word saint to refer to a few people who have achieved some lofty level of spirituality. We are all God's holy people. We may not all be living as holy as we should because we are all a work in progress. But God says, you are part of my family. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord by faith, it is through grace that you are saved, not of works, so you can't boast in and of yourselves and what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do. It's all about him. It's not about you. And he says, that's the criteria for being part of the family that you have accepted me as Savior and Lord. Now that word saint is an interesting word because in the original language, that word saint literally means to be set apart, to be separated from. And we are separated by the decision that we made by faith to ask Jesus Christ into our lives. Now when we talk about being a saint, because I, I feel somebody right now, you're asking the question, you know, Preacher, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not much of a saint, man. I'm struggling every day. Every day I'm asking God to forgive me. I'm asking God to restore me. Psalm 51 may be a part of your life, and you're saying, God, I don't feel much like a saint. I don't feel saintly. What what do you mean I'm a saint? I've been set apart. Well, let me give you those three areas that describe being a saint or sanctification for the believer. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, here's what I need you to know. First of all, you are positionally sanctified. The moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are sanctified. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 10 reads, And in accordance with this will of God, we have been made holy, consecrated, and sanctified through the offering made once for all of the body of Jesus Christ the anointed one. I love the amplified translation there of that scripture because it gives you some key words when the word of God talks about us being holy, that we've been consecrated, we've been sanctified, that positionally you are a saint, but God doesn't stop there. God doesn't stop by saying you are a saint. He also wants you to understand that sanctification, while it is true positionally, it is also true progressively. In other words, you are in the process of being sanctified. You say, wait a minute, how am I sanctified, but I'm being sanctified? It's because you are sanctified positionally, but you are in the process of becoming all that God wants you to be, which is why you are progressively being sanctified. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning at verse 23. And may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through, separate you from profane things, make you pure and wholly consecrated to God. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved sound and complete and found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Faithful is he who is calling you to himself and utterly trustworthy, and he will also do it, fulfill his call by hallowing and keeping you. I love that word, hallowing. 
in the Lord's Prayer, better named the Disciples' Prayer, you see that word, hallowed be thy name, right? Holy is your name. Uh, your name is to be revered. Your name is to be honored. He, he said uh, he will fulfill his call by hallowing and keeping you, by, by making you holy, by, by making you sanctified, by doing something in you. Listen to me carefully. I say it all the time. I want you to get this. Everything in life is designed to teach you a lesson, to teach you something about yourself, teach you something about other people, and to teach you something about God. But watch this. Every lesson has one purpose and goal, that you might be presented faultless before the throne of God with exceeding great joy. He's working on you. He's molding you. He's shaping you. And can I tell you something? That process is not always painless, but it's always profitable. You may feel some pain. You may have to go through some things, but I want you to know God is working on you. Even in the midst of what we're going through in this pandemic, God is working on you because he wants you to come out of this better than when you came in. And listen to me carefully. He didn't say you would have more than when you went in. But I'm telling you, God wants you to be better, a better person, a better father, a better husband, a better wife, a better mother. He wants you to be a better brother, a better sister. He wants you to be a better person than you were when you went in this. Here's the third aspect of this. I told you positionally. You are a saint. Progressively, you're becoming a saint. But watch this. Eternally, you will be sanctified. Eternally, you will be sanctified. What do you mean? Look at what the text says. The day is coming when the believer will be perfectly set apart unto God and his service without any sin or failure whatsoever. The day, that day, will be the great and glorious day of the believer's eternal redemption. See, see God, God is doing something in you right now. He's working on you. But one day you will get there. Let me see if I can give you an analogy. I get you a ticket. Your ticket is a reservation for a seat. You check in. You are already booked on that plane. You are already booked on that train, on that bus. You already have your seat. But now we've got to get you there. We're going to get you there, and that's part of the journey. That's part of the process of you becoming to get you there, and eventually you will arrive spotless before his presence. You will arrive. You, you are positionally saved. You are progressively being saved. God is working on you, and, and, and you are eternally saved. Your sanctification, you have been set apart to give God the praise, glory, and honor he so richly deserves. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27, that he might present the church to himself in glorious splendor, 
without spot or wrinkle or any such things, that she might be holy and faultless. We can't get there on earth. My late mentor, Dr. Evie Hill, used to say the only way a person can live above sin is to get an apartment above a sinner. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and you will never be sinless, but by the help of the Holy Spirit, you should be sinning less. You should be getting better. You should be getting stronger. You should see where God is doing some things in you and to you and working on you so eventually he can do even greater things through you. You are in the family of God. And, and, and can I tell you something, why, why joy is rooted in what the Lord has done for you? Because watch this. You did nothing to deserve being in the family. The, the Bible says it's by grace that you are saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift. Lest any person, lest any man, lest any woman would boast. Which means what? My joy is not rooted in what is happening around me. It's rooted in what has already happened in terms of my relationship with God. My joy is never relegated to the expression of an emotion. It's rooted in my eternal security in my relationship with God. And that does not change. Storms may come, winds may blow, but my relationship with God is secure. You ask your way in, and by grace, God lets you in the family. And you are the property of God. You are his holy possession. God has you in the hollow of his hands. That's the foundation of the joy that we have. That's the foundation of your joy, that you belong to God and that you are part of God's family. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 5. Come, and like living stones, be yourselves built into a spiritual house for a holy, dedicated, consecrated priesthood to offer up those spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God through Jesus Christ. Read 2 Timothy with me wherever you are, beginning at verse 9 of chapter 1. For it is he who delivered and saved us and called us with a calling in itself holy and leading to holiness, to a life of consecration, a vocation of holiness. He did it not because of anything of merit that we have done, but because of and to further his own grace, his own purpose, his grace, unmerited favor, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, eternal ages ago. When you think about your joy, your joy's foundation is in whose you are. It's not in who you are. It's not in being a slave or being a rich man. It's not in having a lot or having a little. It's in whose you are, who you belong to. What you have will come and go. Make money, lose money. 
Get money, blow money. It's not rooted in what you have. Those things are temporal. Those things are transient. But your relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, you belonging in the family of God, that's what it is. You are part of his holy people. You are there positionally. You are being sanctified progressively. And God has an eternal sanctification for you, a place of eternal rest. So here's what God wants you to do. Reprioritize. Maybe a better word is reset. Now, can I tell you something? I've learned something about resetting. Um, and, and if you've had a cell phone for any length of time, you, you understand what a reset is, right? Uh, literally, when you turn your phone off, it resets. That, that's that's a, a soft reset. Uh, but sometimes your phone may need a hard reset. And a hard reset is when you remove the battery or you turn off your phone in a certain way, you hit certain buttons in a sequence, and that's a hard reset. Uh, If you're like me, you leave your phone on all the time. I don't have a home phone. My cell phone is my phone. And so I typically don't turn my phone off, and I took my phone into the shop and told them I was having some problems with it because the buttons weren't working, and I, I really couldn't turn it off. I was trying to turn it off, and it wasn't going off. I didn't know what was going on. And the person who was waiting on me knew exactly what was wrong. And here's what she said to me. How often do you turn your phone off? And I said, hmm? She said, how often do you turn it off? I said, hmm, when it runs out of battery? Like, but you mean just intentionally turning it off? And she said, yeah, how often do you turn it off? I said, I'll never turn my phone off. She said, that's the problem. She said, you never give your phone an opportunity to reset. I could not turn the phone off the normal way. So she showed me how to turn it off and to create a hard reset. We left it off for a few minutes, turned it back on, phone was working great. So now here's what I've learned. I've learned, number one, to remind myself periodically, hey, turn your phone off. Turn your phone off. And if I forget to turn my phone off, and it starts locking up, I've learned how to perform a hard reset on my phone. Listen to me carefully. There's somebody who's watching right now. If you're not careful and you don't shut yourself down, God will perform a reset on you. Somebody can testify. This pandemic has been a reset. It's caused you to stop, to examine, to look at the things that you thought you said you couldn't live without and found out you could live without them, to look at the people you thought you couldn't live without and found out you can live without them, how you have measured your worth, your self-worth by your net worth, and God has been using this entire time to really get you to reset. And if you don't do it willfully, God will do it providentially and bring about a hard reset in your life. But here's what I want you to know. When that reset is over and you get started again, you know what shows up on the screen? Joy. Because you know who you are in him. 
and you know what he has done in you and your relationship with him is independent of everything else in your life. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessing on our word today. Father, we thank you and we bless you for today. And I pray now, God, that somebody uh, has heard from you this day and in hearing from you would make a decision to come to know you as Savior and as Lord. Uh, bless those who need you. Bless those who know you. That we may grow in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're here listening today and you have never asked Jesus Christ into your life, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes today. We're going to pray a prayer of salvation right now. And I'm praying for you that God would show you how to make a commitment to him. If you've never prayed this prayer of salvation, it, it's really just a prayer of faith. There's nothing magical about it. It's really where your heart is to say to the Lord Jesus, God, I need you in my life. And I've learned the hard way that many times God will use circumstances and situations to show you who he is by showing you who you're not. If, you're never, if you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do so. If you are at a place where you want to recommit yourself to the Lord, I want to give you an opportunity to do that as well. Wherever you are, I want you to bow your heads. I want you to pray this prayer of salvation. Repeat these words after me. It's very simple. And listen, if you mean it in your heart, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, if you ask this by faith, that God can save you right now. You say, well, preacher, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know where I am. You don't know how I'm living. You're absolutely right. I don't, but God does. And I want you to know God wants to make something beautiful out of your life if you let him. He can't do it without your permission and without your participation. But he will do something wonderful in your life if you let him. Repeat after me as we lead you in this prayer. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I want to turn away from my sinful life to live the life you have planned for me. Please forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me from my past and make me new. I know your son, Jesus, died for me. And I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. At this very moment, I accept confess and proclaim Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior to live for him from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. We consider it done right now in heaven. We believe that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. If you have prayed this prayer and you prayed it sincerely, that's what Paul says in Romans chapter 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And we count it as done. Now, here's what I need you to do. If you have made a decision today, I want you to go to our website. I want you to go to goodhope.org or download our app, and I want you to click on the button that says, I just accepted Christ. Now what? 
I just accepted Christ. Now what? I just got saved. What do I do next? And there are five things that we encourage each of you to do if you've made a decision for Jesus Christ. Now listen, those of you who are worshiping the Lord and giving, if you haven't already done it, it's been scrolling across the screen, you have an opportunity to partner with us. I've got to say thank you to our members who have done an absolutely tremendous job in their faithfulness, in their giving, and in their kindness to others. Just this week, had a member come up to me and give me money and say, Pastor, I, I don't want any credit for this. I don't want anybody to know I've done it. I want to be a blessing to a family in need. And when she gave it to me, I said, you know what? I know exactly who to bless this family with, bless this money with. And it's a family who has been struggling, <laughs> trying to make ends meet, unemployed. We're hearing talk about you know, man, people are not going to get put out, but that doesn't stop landlords from pressuring people. And man, the utility companies, they're not supposed to be turning off people's power, but they still have been doing it. All kinds of stuff has been going on. This is an opportunity for this woman to bless this family. She won't know them. They won't know her but it's an opportunity to be a blessing. So I want to thank all of you who are part of the Good Hope Church family and those of you who would like to be part of this ministry and would like to support this ministry. We welcome you to do it as well. God is using us. Man, we are feeding hundreds of families every week. And uh, man, the need is still there. No question about it. The need is still there. And this is an opportunity for the church to not go to church, but to be the church. And so I'm grateful for you who are part of the Good Hope family for allowing us to do that. Listen, we're going to get ready to go, but I want to leave you with this message. God is doing something wonderful in you. Don't let anybody tell you anything different. God is doing something wonderful in you. Let him do it. Let him have his way and give him the glory from your life and from your living. All right? God bless you. God keep you. To the Good Hope members, love to the family. God is doing something wonderful in me. God is doing something wonderful in me. Something awesome and incredible that only he could get the glory. God is doing something wonderful, incredible and awesome. God is doing something wonderful in me. Come on, sing with me, God. God is, God is doing something.